0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today is the third Sunday of Epiphany, the Sunday of Revelation, where we focus on those texts through which Christ is revealed as God in human flesh, who has come to be the Savior of Jew and Gentile, the Savior of all. As of late, there has also come a new influence on this Sunday, and maybe a particularly necessary one given our time and place, and that is the sanctity of life. So today we also acknowledge the sanctity of life Sunday, which should be self-evident, should it not? Almost like the wetness of water Sunday, life should be held sacred. But of course, even the brightest and best in our midst fail to see this. Over the weekend, Elon Musk tweeted, and if you don't know anything about Twitter, I kind of wish I didn't. He when he tweets, receives sometimes tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of likes, always millions of people seeing what it is that he tweets. And he made this statement, freedom means freedom to choose when to die. That is a statement fully in favor of what we would call euthanasia and it is indicative of a kind of deification of the self. I will not be bound. I will not have God, my maker, number my days. True freedom is that I will number them myself, a deification of the self. One that exists at the heart of euthanasia, one which tramples the sanctity of life, and one that is also seen at the heart of abortion, trampling the sanctity of life in the earliest days of a human being. Peter Kreeft has stated that he sees in abortion the sacrament of the Antichrist, And one can see this particularly in the blasphemous use of the language of our Lord. This is my body. The woman says, this is my body, and takes herself away from the human being in her womb. Whereas in complete contradiction and just a position, Christ says, This is my body given. My body given for you, that by partaking of my body you might have life. So we see an opposite then between this religion of selfishness and religion of death. Versus the religion of selflessness, the religion of life. And that is why Christianity, as far as visual signs go, is no better served than by the crucifix. For there Christ is giving himself body, blood, soul, divinity for the life Of the world. In our gospel text today, we see how Christ has come to give life to the world, to lift the curse from both Jew and Gentile. Of course, not explicit in our text is the reality that in order for him to lift the curse from sinners, He must himself bear that curse and become a curse for all of us on the tree. He first is encountered by a Jew who cries out with leprosy to be cleansed. and Christ has mercy, lifts the curse, and heals him. Tells him to remain silent about this healing. Jesus does not want to be known as Miracle Max, as the great healer. He has come to be the Savior of the world. Next, as he travels to Capernaum, he is encountered by a centurion, a Gentile, who says to the Lord that his servant has been paralyzed, has fallen ill, St. Luke tells us, even unto death. Jesus, in compassion for this Gentile and his Gentile servant, says, I will come and heal him. Then come those astonishing words from the centurion, words that, if you can believe it, make Jesus himself marvel. The centurion says, Lord, I am not worthy that you would come under my roof. What an amazing statement, especially in our context and milieu in which Christians are so bold as to think that Jesus would be honored to be welcomed into our hearts. Friends, there's no filthier place on earth than our hearts, let alone coming under our physical roofs. The centurion goes on to explain then what he wants, not that Jesus would come under his roof, for he is unworthy of such an honor as that. But the centurion says, "'I, too, am a man under authority.'" To whom is he comparing himself? To his own sick servant. "'That servant is under my authority, and I, too, am a man under authority.'" Whose authority does he see himself under? That of the Lord Jesus. An astonishing statement of faith. He goes on to say, I have soldiers underneath me, and if I say to one, go, he goes. If I say to another, come, he comes. And if I were to say to my servant, do this, he would do it. The clear implication being, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you say is sufficient. My servant will be healed simply on account of your authority and your authoritative speaking. Again, upon hearing this, Jesus marvels. And this centurion who said, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. To this man, Jesus says, you and countless others will come from east and west and be gathered under my roof, as it were, to the great banquet of Abraham, to recline at his bosom and to feast in everlasting blessedness. A reversal because our Lord knows that the Jews, the sons of the kingdom, will in fact reject him by and large, while the Gentiles will receive him. We can see then what Chrysostom, a 4th century preacher, his name actually, a nickname, the Golden Tongued, sees in this text. Namely, that Christ's willingness to heal the centurion's servant, Christ's acknowledgement that he has seen no greater faith in all of Israel than that which exists in this Gentile, is a sure and certain statement that salvation comes, not by observance of the law, but by faith in Christ. Through this lens, then, we can view all of Christ's healings as they truly are. He does not ask for a resume of good works and then heal if he deems it worthy. He simply goes forth and heals Jew and Gentile. He lifts their curse in order to load that curse upon himself. He blesses them of a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth, of all things made right. Whose authority are you under? That is an all-important question for us as Christians in America at this particular time at this particular place, are you under the authority of Jesus or are you under your own authority? Because if you are not under the nomos, the law of the Divine One, then you're going to be under the autonomos, the law of yourself. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned his own way. To be autonomous, to be self-governing, is at root of a religion emerging in the midst of our nation that is absolutely Antichrist, absolutely inimical to Christianity. It is indeed that in the last days men would become lovers of themselves. And our Lord would warn not of people who are too zealous for the law, but of people who are lawless, simply doing what is right in their own eyes. Can we not perceive this in the major movements of the people in our nation over the past decades? Can we not see this in the advent of birth control, being used simply as a deification of the self so that I can sleep with whomever I want to sleep with? Have we not seen this in so-called no-fault divorce? I don't need a reason other than my own desire to be divorced. Do we not see this in the widespread use of pornography, where sexuality is no longer held between husband and wife, but as a self-deifying, self-worshipping act? We see it also in abortion, my body, not for you, and in euthanasia. I will choose, not God, and I will choose whether I will serve my neighbor any longer or not. We see the same deification of self in reparations that I who have been enslaved by no one would be paid by people who have enslaved no one. We see it also in what's going on in Atlanta because I'm not being heard I'll light your city on fire. Selfishness. And the deification, the self that I'll invent my own pronouns and foist them upon you at pains of you being canceled or losing your job or being guilty of hate speech. Utter selfishness in one whom God has created a woman, saying, I've decided to be a man instead. And then because that person is indeed a biological female and a female through and through, becoming pregnant and then bringing a child into this mental and spiritual illness, selfishness. And what a stand we saw in our brother in Christ of the Orthodox faith, the hockey player from the Philadelphia Flyers. I'll probably butcher his name, Provorov (laughs) Not much of a hockey fan, but I'm his fan, and apparently many, many others are. His jersey has sold out everywhere because he was told, you will wear the rainbow jersey for warm-ups. And he said, I won't because I'm a Christian. So again, whose authority will you be under? And if you are under Christ's authority, then you can be sure that in whatever ways you yourself have fallen into these various sins or sinful ways of thinking, there is forgiveness, full and free. There are no second-class Christians. We are all baptized with one baptism, into the one Christ, and we all have the same righteousness before God, the righteousness of Christ. But if there is anything that we must learn as Christians here in America and this time and this place, it's not how to love more. It's frankly and truthfully how to hate more and how to hate rightly. Does that sound scandalous to you? It shouldn't. You just sang it. The intro it. Psalm 97. O oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Let us, indeed, live by faith in Christ, that he alone is our righteousness. He alone is our life but let us live in bold contrast to the selfish religion that is emerging all around us. Let us live under the authority of Christ, not ashamed of his gospel, not ashamed of our God, not ashamed of his character or his truth. Let us live under his authority, not in word only, but also in deed and in truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.